Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Call Out a Comeback. I'm Bobby McInnes, alongside my co-host, Tom Splone. Tom, how you doing today? I'm doing good, Bob. I'm excited today. We got a special guest on our pod today, uh, Colin Nozick. And uh, I know we got a big loyalty game tonight. It's the first round of the uh, Patriot League tourney. How are we doing, Nozick? I'm doing well. I'm excited. There's been a palpable buzz around. What? Palpable okay, buzz. Okay, vocab word. <laughs> around the campus all day. I know everyone I've talked to is going to the game tonight. Reed's going to be packed. Um, I'm excited because this is something that the, the campus really needed. Uh, obviously, didn't get to host a game last year or the year before. Uh, the one year that Loyola made a deep league COVID. tournament run was the COVID year, so it was all played at, I believe it was Navy is where they had the whole tournament at. So it's uh, it's exciting to have postseason basketball. You know, winner loses the last game at Reitz this year for any sport, especially us being seniors. It's good to kind of go out hopefully with a bang and uh, – I'm excited to see the guys play. They're locked in. They've actually hit an upswing, winning, I believe it's five of the last six. So they're they're looking about as good as they could coming into this play-in. Yeah, and they beat, last time they played at Reach, they beat Holy Cross by, I think, 22 points. However, they lost them uh, in Worcester earlier this uh, this season. So, you know, what are going to be the keys to success uh, in order to come away with the victory today? So I actually had the pleasure of attending both games, one up in, in Massachusetts as it was over break when I was back there. But um, the real difference was is that everyone seemed to, make, to be making shots for the Hounds last week when they, they beat down Holy Cross pretty good. But uh, when they played the first time, they really, really couldn't find anyone who had a an on-jump shot that day, and that's really what, what hurt them defensively. They're always going to put themselves in games. It's whether or not they can score. It's going to be about knocking down the outside shot, not as much on the starters, but the guys off the bench. You need guys like uh, Chris Kazemka come up, to come off the bench and start hitting some shots and really take control of the game as a seventh, eighth man playing. We saw as the season ended um – Loyola has had really strong guard play between Kenny Jones and Deion Perry. Um, besides those two guys, who would you say is the X factor in today's matchup? You know, Holy Cross, they don't have a very large team um, as far as height goes. So that being said, who, who would you look uh, for Loyola to turn to here? Uh, I initially would say Alonzo Faure. He played very well in their last game of the season against American. He's actually, I think, one of the main reasons why he won. He played so well in the post. And in terms of defensively, Holy Cross, just they run their team through Gerald Gates. So if Gates has a big game, they're going to win. And he is a, a 6'6", 250s. He's a big guy down in the post. He'll bang with anyone. So... It's um it's gonna be about locking him down and I think a guy like Zoe is gonna be the key that's stopping that. Nice Colin and, and Tom, if you wanna add to anything here, you know, Tavares Hardy has gotten this team uh playing winning basketball as Colin mentioned uh, over the last few games here. Uh what are your thoughts on today's game? Yeah, I'm hyped. Um I know they beat Holy Cross last time, which is good confidence going into this game. Um it's always good when you can when you know you can beat your opponent. And uh, I honestly think the key factor is going to be Kenny Jones and uh, Jalen Andrews tonight because I feel like those are really the two main scorers for this team. Uh, and I feel like Kenny Jones uh, has shot the basketball pretty well this season. Uh, and I think Jalen Andrews is a big mid-range guy. Get him going. And those are your two big scorers. You want to see them hit their shots early and, and get some confidence going. Yeah, you mentioned Kenny and Jalen, both grad students uh, here playing in their, their last and final season at Loyola. How important is it to have that veteran presence uh, come playoff time, come tournament basketball? 
Yeah, it definitely is really important because uh, at this time you really want uh, a lot of like maturity and uh, been there, done that type stuff. And uh, when, when things go south, I think Kenny Jones and Jalen Andrews could really take control of the floor and um, help these young guys and, and go win a basketball game tonight. Right. And both uh, Jalen and Kenny were on the team when Loyola made a run to the finals in the Patriot League tournament. Uh, however, they are without Santi, of course. But, you know, what do those players need to do or to inspire, you know, the younger guys who weren't on that roster in order to get prepared for this game? I'd say it's all about mentality. Uh, you see a lot of uh, younger guys in, in a league like this where it's it's a one-bid conference no matter what. you got to win your conference tournament if you want to play in the tourney. Um, so a lot of younger guys may think, I have another chance at this. Dion thinks I might have three or four more years of this. But a guy like Jalen and Kenny know it, as soon as they lose another game this season, their careers are over. So it's going to be about trying to instill that mentality of, willing to die for it to to go out there with the younger guys and that's what's really gonna I think trigger the whole team is if they can all lock in on that mentality of this is the last game we'll ever play then they'll come out with a win and hopefully then go into Colgate and get one as well some good thoughts on the game tonight versus Holy Cross shifting gears here a little Colin you mentioned one uh, sports topic that's pretty hot right now uh, MLB adding the pitch clock uh, to baseball what are your thoughts on that I think that it's not necessarily a good or bad idea. I'm kind of impartial to it right now. Got to see how it works more. I know that I went to a lot of AAA games with the uh, Red Sox team being in Worcester now, my home, my home city. But Woo Sox, uh, Woo Sox, yes. Uh, and the games flowed just so much better. And what I I hope to see is you're going to get these guys who are accustomed in the league to playing slow and pitching slow they're going to kind of get phased out. And once you have these guys that are currently in the, the minor leagues who have already done a year of the pitch clock, by the time they're in the league in two, three, four years, everyone's just going to be used to it. It's going to be like there's no pitch clock and everyone's playing fast anyway. So I think it's a good step to get baseball to move forward. Um, I really don't like how games can be decided on it. I know the example was Red Sox first spring training game against the Braves. Bases loaded, 3-2 count, batters called out on the strikeout in the ninth game over. It was a tie because no extra innings in spring training. It sucks when you see a game end that way. Uh, it's going to be really unfortunate when it's a 2-2 count with runners on second and third in October and Aaron Judge gets called out on an automatic strike three to end the inning. And that's when I think you'll see more fans start to riot about it. But as of right now, it's something that is good to be tested, and I think it's the future of baseball. It is definitely going to stick around, but interesting to see how players kind of react to it as they get the short end of the stick getting called out or get balls against them. Yeah, Tom, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely <clears throat> I definitely agree with that. I think uh, so far it's been pretty beneficial because uh, most of the games have been around two and a half hours, I think, for spring training, which is very good because usually a baseball game takes around three if it's going at a good pace. Uh, from the last few years. But, uh, yeah, I like the pitch clock because it obviously keeps the pace going. I believe you get 25 seconds, is it, or 15? It is. 30, right? uh, no, it's it's 15 with no one on base, and I believe it's like 20 or 22 with someone on base. Okay. So, yeah, I like that, but I, I don't like the, the batter. The batter the has to be where set he has to be up 10. with eight. Is it 10 or 8? I think, it's, I think it's 10. 10, yeah. I feel like that's kind of dumb because he's still getting in, in his stands and it's just a, a cold strike. I don't like that at all. But I do like the pitch clock, so – We'll see. I mean, the players are going to adjust uh, to it throughout as the season goes on, obviously. So I'm happy that there's obviously spring training where you can test it out now. So once the regular season starts in about a month, like hopefully the players are pretty adjusted to it. And, you know, it's 
just going to be better for the game in terms of getting these games going quicker? In terms of how the players react, I don't know if you remember the, the sticky gate, I'll call it, with all the pine tar and the pitchers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of pitchers were really ticked off right away. And Sergio Romo even stripped down in the middle of the field to show the um, that he didn't have anything. And now it's just second nature. Guys just walk off. It's a quick check. Everyone knows to expect it. So I'd say at the end of one full season, everyone will kind of just accept it and move on. So uh, this season, there may be some growing pains that way, but it, in the end, will benefit the game and you'll be happier as fans. Yeah, I think uh, next year, honestly, they might add automatic strike zone. This could be the last year with umps, depending on how, I guess, the season goes. I mean, umpires haven't been too good these last few years. So. Yeah, I mean, out of like all the major sports, uh, or at least the four major sports, um, baseball is the only one that doesn't have like a running clock. Uh, you know, in football, you know you're playing four 15-minute quarters. Basketball, what is it, four 12-minute quarters. Um, you know, and, and you know how long the game is going to be. Obviously, um, there's a few things that alter that, whether it's weather or injuries. But, you know, all in all, you know how long you're going to be sitting down watching, you know, a, fo- a football game or a basketball game. And, you know, as far as MLB goes and looking for, like, viewership and popularity, they're competing with those other major sports. Um, so when it comes to someone picking and choosing between going to a baseball game or a basketball game, you know, a lot of times maybe they'll choose the basketball game, you know, it takes up less of their time. They know exactly what they're getting into. Um, so I, I saw that with the pitch clock, games have been around, I think, Tom, you mentioned like two and a half hours, um, which is right on par with the other, made, uh, the other, I'd say not with football, but with, base, uh, with basketball and hockey, um, two and a half hours is, is a really good, you know, time for sports, entertainment, and I think that's going to help MLB in the long run. I mean, it's I'm all on board for it. I live an hour and a half outside of Boston when you include the traffic after a game, and if you could tell me that I could go watch at 7 o'clock first pitch and be home and in bed by 11, yeah, I'm, I'm down for that. That seems like it's a win for everyone. A lot of, like, the older guys, I feel like a lot of, like, classic baseball old-timers uh, definitely are not going to be big fans of this because, they, you know, they say it's part of the game. Um, and I think I'm going to miss a little bit of that, the gamesmanship between the, st- the pitcher stepping off, the batter stepping out, coaches coming in, mounds, like, you know what I mean? Like, you, we used to go, you know, minutes without a, a pitch, and, and there was something to that. Um, but, you know, overall, I think it'll be for the betterment of – of the game of the sport i know as a, a yankees guy over there perfect example i'll give that is the uh 2004 alcs when robert stole second on mo hmm. threw over three or four times stepped off looked him back and it was like four minutes between pitches because it was a cat and mouse game between a, a good base stealer and a good pitcher now yeah. you can't have that it, you i think the rules i don't know if they're incorporated in the majors this year but in the minors you only used to be able to pick over now twice per at bat. Yeah, it, yeah, it's in the majors now this year too. Yeah, that's that's going to be big. It's advantage to the runner. Definitely, cuz they know they I mean, you can always do a pitch out obviously, but right. the runner knows as after soon as two you in a row. You, the second time, you're you're, you're probably going to go. go. <laughs> yeah, now that's a big advantage cuz as a pitcher like you're always taught like you have to like change like your delivery like go quick, go slow, like mixed up for the runner. Now, I mean, it's that's going to be adjusted for the pitcher, you know. It's everyone's learning. But, uh, yeah, you mentioned that. And then also the shift is being taken away this year, too. I mean, you can shift up the middle, but you can't shift in, like, right field. So lefties, like, 
like a Joey Gallo or Anthony Rizzo, all those guys, like anything through the right size, you mean a single now. So I, I like that a lot. That's kind of like the old baseball, how it used to be. You're going to see yeah. a lot of like bat batting average will be up, which is yeah. good. Um, and I mean, like I spoke to a little bit about like just the betterment of the sport, trying to gain popularity. People are going to want higher scoring games, you know? Um, I, for one, appreciate, you know, a good pitcher's duel, and, and I can appreciate that, but we've seen it. You know, people people get excited about home runs. People get excited about doubles, base hits, and runs being scored. You know, people want to see players cross the plate. So with the band of the shift, that will definitely help that. What's going to be a, a great thing is you said two and a half hours right now per game in spring training, but I think the number will kind of progress back to what it was at three hours. But if you have a three-hour game where the – Final score is eight to seven, nine to eight, because more runs are being scored. That's a game that last year with no pitch clock would be four hours. Yeah. So you're not really shortening le shortening the length of the average game, but the ones that are high scoring and things like that are going to be like you were watching a normal game last year. Yeah, that's good. That's gonna be good to watch. So I know, Colin, you mentioned uh, you mentioned how minor leaguers have been accustomed to it because they've been playing with it, and the older guys might have to adjust. You know, if if this is something that's now going to be around in the MLB already is in the minors are we going to see it um, be incorporated at the collegiate level or possibly the high school level travel level um, you know what I mean like I understand that if you, if you compare it to like uh, basketball I know that there's shot clock in the NBA shot clock um, in college however there's usually not a shot clock depending on the state in high school basketball so I was wondering your guys thoughts on that yeah, you. Sorry, repeat real quick. Like the uh, first part. What level would the pitch clock? Do you see the pitch clock being incorporated at lower levels, say high school, college, um, or even like, you know, middle school club travel baseball? Yeah. Well, I, I know when I was younger, like some of the leagues, obviously you're in, like for travel or AU, whatever. There was like a for tournaments at least. Obviously, there's like a, a cap on your game, so like it was like an hour and a half, I think usually. Um, I don't, I don't know if they're going to go to, like, a pitch clock just because they play, like, six, seven innings max, those young right, kids. Right. So, like, it's not like a nine-inning game, but, I mean, they do drag if, like, kids aren't throwing strikes. High school only plays so, seven, too. Yeah, high school plays seven. I mean, honestly, it would be cool if they, I think, bring it to, like, high school. I wouldn't bring it to, like, anything lower than that, though, they, probably. They probably have to do it at the collegiate level pretty soon. Yeah, collegiate I level, definitely. would love to see it at the collegiate level. Yeah. High school, it's the same thing. Um, I know the sports are different. I like the shot clock in basketball in high school. In Massachusetts, we had one. Oh, I like yeah. it because it kind of teaches you have to run an offense. You can't hold the ball, things like that. But I think high school sports are more about teaching, especially because they say you're one in a million to go pro. You really are. I mean, you're not most likely going to go pro. Even if you do go college, it's not going to be a big step up unless you're a big-time recruit. So I'd love to see kids learn the game of baseball in high school and not have to worry about a pitch clock. It should be more fundamental in teaching them. So if the games are a little bit longer because of that, I think that's something that you have to accept. Collegiately, they definitely have to put it in in order to get those players ready. Um, and for the guys coming right out of high school to the draft, because you don't do that in the NBA anymore and you, you've never been able to do it in the NFL, it's, baseball is one of the sports that you can go straight out of high school into the league. They're going to go to rookie ball anyway and then high A, double A, triple A. They'll get all those years of that anyway. So it's not like they're missing it in college. but. Um, I would be a little disappointed if it went any lower of a level than college. You guys both bring up some good points there. Uh, I was wondering if you guys wanted to um, speak on NBA or perhaps NFL before we uh, wrap up the show today. I know you guys have some thoughts. 
Yeah, I um, get a few NBA thoughts. Uh, I think the Clippers over the last couple games have really looked beatable. They've looked really poorly coached. Um, so Mr. Lou got to figure that out. But besides that, the NBA is in the first week after the All-Star break, I think a little bit shaken up. Obviously some trades. Now teams are starting to get acclimated to the new players. The Knicks look really, really good. Uh, Josh Hart looks to be the piece that they needed. Yeah, they actually had a, a big win last night. They did. If they, you want to speak to they, that. they beat the life out of my Boston Celtics. <laughs> they, they, they did. And uh, I don't want to hear anything about JB being out either. No, it's and that's actually been my biggest criticism of the Celtics all year is they rely way too much on three and D out of all their players. They shoot way too many three pointers and try and play get in your mouth defense. And the defense was. Not great last night. They only gave up, a, I think it was 108 points. It's not terrible, For but it's not game. it's not good either. Um, yeah. But when you usually, sh- when usually you chuck, that's a winning number. Though. That is a winning number, especially for a team like the Celtics. Yeah. But when you chuck 53s a game, if you're only making six, seven, eight of those, you're not going to win basketball games. Nah. And that's been my biggest criticism of them this year is that when they have games like that, they look terrible. Yeah, I mean, when Tatum shoots that poorly, you're not going to win a game, especially when Brown uh, didn't even play last night. But, uh, yeah, now the Knicks look really good. I mean, ever since the Josh Hart trade, their six-game win streak, they're 6-0. and So uh, he seems to be the, a little bit of a glue guy there. Um, RJ's played a little better, and we know Brunson's been reliable all year. Randall's had, hit some really good three-point shots, and he's been pretty reliable. I mean, the Knicks look look like they're a complete team right now. I mean, they obviously don't have that superstar that, like, the Cavs have in Mitchell, the Celtics have in Tatum. The Sixers have Harden. You know, all these big teams have their big superstar. The Knicks have Brunson. I mean, I wouldn't consider him a superstar in the league yet, um, but he's he's playing really well. And I don't know. I mean, the Knicks, I'm hoping they can try and get up to the four seed. I think they're going to pass Brooklyn at the five. Uh, they play Wednesday, and Brooklyn's just, I mean, they're, 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 they lost a little bit, obviously. After you trade guys like Kyrie and KD, can't expect much. You uh, shift two Hall of Famers off. You you can't expect you can't. to still be at that level. Yeah, even though I do, I think Cam uh, Johnson and um, Mikael Bridges, Dinwiddie, like those guys can still get buckets. But um, I think Knicks will pass them, and I think the Knicks got a shot to pass Cleveland too in the four. So I'm excited. Yeah, I mean the Knicks, they they have a deep team, like you, like a lot, and their guard play. I mean they all produce like quickly off the bench. Yeah. Um, Quentin Grimes has been good this season. Um, and they haven't had to rely on a star, which is which is good because you know down in the late season and the stretch of things, that's when people start to get banged up and injured. Um, so luckily, when you have a deep team, you can afford a couple injuries. That being said, uh, I think Mitchell Robinson has to stay healthy. Yeah. Um, we see like his he's just one of the best rim defenders um, in the game. Um, and without him, you know the Knicks defense they're not as strong down in the paint. Um, Hartenstein's had a pretty good year, but um, takes more than that. Yeah, I, I agree, and you see it. I, I see it in Boston as well with um, Robert Williams. When you have a, such a great paint protector like Robinson is in, in New York, if those guys aren't healthy, the whole defense suffers. They can get anything they want as, as an opposition. Um, but as you said, the depth is what's really a, a key as opposed to a team like the Cavs. I'm sorry, but I'm not trusting Isaac Okoro to take a, a game-winning shot. Um, but I, I trust anyone pretty much on the Knicks to take a shot at their current state. Um, so that depth is going to be something that's a real piece to drive them. They're going to be one of those scary four seeds that will push the, the one to the, 
the brink of elimination in the second round if they can get past it. But Cleveland, the Nets, the Knicks, all going to fight for that four through six. Uh, I'm assuming that you agree that the Celtics, Bucks, and Sixers have those top three spots pretty locked up. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the East is a dogfight. I still think the winner is going to come out of the East. Yeah. Even though the Suns got so much better the Mavs got better everyone in the West it seems got better that was was already a contender but I I just think the West is going to be like the big 10 of the NBA they're just going to beat each other up so much that by the time it comes to the finals they're not going to be able to compete with whoever the East sends yeah I mean for the Suns it's going to be just staying healthy I mean Katie I think comes back tomorrow (laughs) so he's got to stay healthy now and Booker's got to stay healthy CP3 I mean these guys haven't really stayed healthy all year so it's kind of asking for a lot but um I think they're the clear favorite if the if they stay healthy. That's that's a big if. Uh, I think Boston I'd probably put right behind Phoenix right now. Um, but yeah, I mean Boston looks re- like obviously they didn't play well last night. But Boston when they're at their best, like they're they're a very strong team. So I'm I'm excited. I mean n- not a lot of people honestly are talking about Denver. Like Denver's got the best record in the West, and no one's really talking about them winning a title, which is fair because like Jamal Murray, I'm not trusting many to hit a big shot in the playoffs. I mean he was decent in the bubble, but. They got Jokic, who's the MVP, obviously, but Jokic is already the best player in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, Jokic is just—he's obviously slept on, which is kind of crazy to say, but he's just not a flashy guy. That's why. I just don't think that you can win a title with that much of your offense and that and defense coming from a big. Giannis was able to do it in Milwaukee because he had Middleton, he had Drew Holiday, he had Bobby Portis, these other guys. I respect Jabal Murray. I respect. Gordon, but they're not those guys that Giannis did it with. Jokic yeah. is just their whole team, essentially. Don't he's sleep on MPJ. Don't sleep on MPJ. You can sleep on his health. I'll sleep like a baby on MPJ because by the time I wake up in the morning, he'll have another torn ligament. No, so I'll be fine. He's nice when healthy, though. I know, but I was I was actually about to bring him up because I was, I was watching a video on him yesterday. I think it was on like TikTok. Yeah, sharp shooter. He's, yeah, he's a good shooter, but like they're saying like a selection. Like he just forces like a lot of threes mm-hmm. at times. But I mean, he's a good shooter, so I guess you can kind of get away with it at, at points. I'd say it's like but when the, you have a passer like Jokic, you can get away with it because yeah, Jokic he's a really just good sets passer. up so many shots. I think one of the more underrated the, things that they did was went out and get Reggie Jackson. I think he really does help their offense yeah, as a He's guard. got the experience, too. Yeah. And replacing, essentially replacing Bones Highland with him. Bones was more of a herky-jerky, get-your-own-shot. I, like I, I love Bones. I like him, too. My private story name is uh, Bones Highland Fan Club, so <laughs> everyone knows how I feel about Bones. But uh, Reggie Jackson's a, a true point guard that can still knock down shots, that when you play him with Jokic, you can run a pick-and-roll with him. They're, they are a absolute wagon in the West, and they – They'll be there when the dust settles. I think they'll at least be in the Western Conference Finals, if not the NBA Finals. Yeah, I think they'll they'll be close. Definitely, I'm excited. Before uh, we move on, what are your what are your finals predictions? Who do you got facing each other here? Honestly, it's tough. I don't want to see it, but I think it's gonna be Boston. I'll put Boston in it, and from the West, I'll go Phoenix. I'll say that, but I'll say Phoenix wins in seven. I'll go on a little. That's fair. I think if Boston can get healthy, um, they're definitely like the front runners. They they've just played so well as a team. Like you talk about a core group that's been together for a while, um, and then like Tom just mentioned, the Suns, um, they were able to keep all their stars and add a future Hall of Famer. I mean, it's it would sound crazy for me to just pick anyone else, but uh, I agree. I agree. Suns Suns Boston is probably my prediction at this moment. For me, I I sat down and kind of broke this down preseason um obviously pieces have changed for the team i had 
the Clippers and the Celtics meeting in the finals with the Clippers winning in seven. I thought the Clippers would be a lot better this year. Um, I think it's just really going to be finding the water of how much to play Westbrook. I watched that game where they lost on the road to Denver the other night, which Denver's a tough place to play. I'm not knocking them for the loss. They came back from 19 down, but Eric Gordon played the last nine minutes of that game, the last four minutes of regulation and all of overtime. Westbrook didn't see the floor, and Gordon shot 0 of 5 from the field. He was doing cardio. He put up Tony Snell numbers, (laughs) and Westbrook didn't see the floor after he had eight straight points to start the fourth quarter. So I think once you figure out how everyone kind of meshes together, the Clippers will be right back there. I would take them to outlast the Suns, and then it's going to be about getting through the Nuggets. But I still really like the Clippers, and obviously I can't morally pick against my team. But even out of that aspect, I think Boston is far and away the best team in the East. So. Yeah, no, I get that. I Real quick, though, before we wrap up, I mean, you can't forget about Golden State. I know they're a seven seed, I think, right now. They're around 500, but... I mean, once you get Curry back with Klay Thompson, I mean, we know those guys won titles before. They just won it last year. So, I don't know. I mean, if they get in as like a six or seven, like, that's pretty dangerous in my opinion. I, I would agree with that. I really want to see. I don't know how the, the numbers will work out unless maybe they somehow finesse their way into a six seed and skip the play-in. The Warriors, yeah. I would love to see seven games of the Kings and them go at it. That would score be, would be 150, both, both 150 each night. They would just be yeah. shocking. Yeah, Kings defense isn't great. They're off. It is true. You can't sleep on the Warriors. I mean, they yeah. go they go fairly deep too. I mean, Jordan Poole's, Poole's nice. He's a very good player. If he was on any other team, he'd be talked about a lot more. I think. Um, and then I don't know. They got some young guys. Kuminga, Kuminga, John Wayne yeah. Kuminga. Yeah, but uh, he's a Jersey product, so we had to shout him out. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Uh-huh. Any other closing thoughts, Colin? No, just um, if you're in, into college basketball, a lot of conference tournaments start this week. The big ones start next week with Big Ten, Big 12, SEC. But um, the Sun Belt starts tonight, i.e. the Fun Belt, uh, Southern Missouri. Can't wait. Southern Missouri <laughs> is a wagon. They're close to being an at-large team even without their yeah. conference tournament. Um, but that's that's a good one. And, and the Patriot League. I'm I'm excited for the Patriot League, but uh, I also want a quick shout out to the boys in in Queens. First year as a Division One program, big win last night. And the A Sun started their tournament last night, and they picked up a a win in the conference tournament. So that's a big step for a program who goes Division One one year. They made the play in. There's I believe it's 14 teams in the A Sun. Only 10 make their tournament, so they were in the the 10 to play in. The Florida Gulf Coast, right? And they beat FGCU as. What's interesting, though... they can't play in the tournament, right? What's interesting is Bellarmine's also in the same situation. They beat North Florida last night, so now there's eight teams left, and two of them, if they were to win the conference tournament, can't go to the NCAA tournament. So it's just another at-large So it would go to whoever was the... the, the second, the, right? Regular season winner? It's whoever's the regular season oh, wow. winner. So um, the interesting thing that happened last year is Jacksonville, who was the one seed, got knocked out in the semifinals... But because Bellarmine, was the one seed. they were the one seed, Jacksonville State was the two. And because Bellarmine upset and won, even though Jacksonville got knocked out by Jacksonville State in the semis, they still went to the tournament because they were the conference regular season champions. Damn. Which Damn. I believe they're the champions again this year. Jacksonville State? I, uh, no, it's actually Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State. So they would be, they'd be representing if things got crazy. If Bellarmine won or? Bellarmine or Queens Or Queens. Won. Okay. So it's I, I just love seeing teams that 
our first year, second year programs winning games and conference tournaments because it shows they actually belong. Yeah, that's cool. Sounds good. It was a it was a good show, but I don't want to be late to the big playoff game here in Reed's Arena. So uh, I can hear Dion Perry making threes up above my head warming <laughs> up right now. So I'm excited. Right. So uh, Colin, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll see you next time on Call to Comeback.